Daily Bible reading. The Bibles are diminishing quickly. There's just a few left out there. If you ordered one, better get it quick. We've sold, a, I ordered a, quite a lot more than we had ordered uh, or reserved, and they're about gone. So there's a few left out there if you're looking for the chronological Bible to read along with the uh, plan this year. Let's see, I think that's the only announcement we need for sure. Uh, let me mention one other thing before we start. I think probably the mocks have told most of the old-timers, but any old-timers remember Joe Johnson from the 60s, 50s, 60s? Herc, if you don't remember Joe Johnson, Herkimer. Uh, he passed away, and the funeral is tomorrow. Uh, Ronnie and Don are going down. I wish I could go along with them. That's... Uh, For those of you that were not here back in those days, uh, Joe was, I guess you'd call him one of the all-time great Northside characters. Uh, Would that be fair, Don? Uh, Joe was something. You country music fans might remember him as Herkimer P. Pushbroom. Uh, He was on KSIR. Anybody remember KSIR, the old country station? All of you looking at me like, you're so old. <laughs> Some of you know, you just don't want to admit it. But <laughs> he was a radio personality and uh, played in Max Sanders' band, and uh, he was just an all around character. Uh, my favorite story of Joe and his wife, gee, they, they came to Northside uh, just looking for a church. I don't even remember why they came, but uh, they were converted, uh, baptized into Christ. Joe eventually quit the entertainment business and went off to preach, uh, preached and farmed around Joplin, Missouri for the rest of his days, and uh, in fact was preaching just a few weeks ago when he had to sit in a chair on stage and barely get up on the stage, but was still going. Uh, Joe was a character. Uh, Back in those days when somebody visited on Sunday, of course things were much smaller then, my folks would usually go visit them on Monday night. It was the ambassadors back then, uh, Ted. But uh, they'd go visit on Monday night usually, and of course they usually made me and Gary go along, uh, which we did not think was the most wonderful thing in the world. But uh, we went. I had no other option, by the way. Uh, and Joe and Jean visited, and so Monday night here we went to go visit them, and we went in and sat down, and Gary and I were kind of pouting that we had to be there and spend the whole night and all that. And about that time, this great big black and white skunk ran through the middle of the living room. And Gary and I all of a sudden got interested. (laughs) This might be a fun place. Uh, Yeah, Joe had a pet skunk, so he was something. Uh, But he had a huge impact on the kingdom, I'm sure, the things he did after he left the entertainment world. All right, let's talk about what we're talking about here tonight, Uh, starting a new theme. I'm always uh, encouraged to start a new theme. I think this year is going to be a good one that will keep keep our interest and do good for years to come, I I personally believe. Uh, Let me tell you just a little bit about the series. I kind of introduced it last Sunday night, but it's called What People Want to Know About the Bible. 
Uh, I thought about calling it what people really want to know about the Bible, but uh, keep, it, keep it simple. This is just what people want to know about the Bible, and it's based on the fact that over 27 years of Know Your Bible, we've gotten a jillion, million questions from people, and some of them are, you know, uh, ticky-tacky, and some of them are obnoxious, and some of them are rude, and some of them are uh, got people's own hobby horse, and we talked about all that last week, but... My impression over all those years is that the vast majority of folks out there in the world have a a reverence and honor for the Bible, and they just want to know what it says. They just want simple answers to things in their life. Uh, There's some of them that are hung up on this crazy doctrine or this weird teaching or whatever, but the vast majority of them just want to know some basic things about life and living. And what the Bible says about this or that. Um, so our intention this year is to kind of work through some of those, not individual questions, but grouped into a topic. Uh, for instance, I said last week in introducing it that uh, we get a lot of questions, probably more than any other, about what happens after death. Uh, the after death experience and then heaven, and how does that all work, and where do people go, and why we have a judgment if we're, you know, people ask, they wonder about that. They wonder where their loved ones are that have passed on. That's a big topic. Uh, so we're not going to answer a whole bunch of little questions, but we're going to kind of group that into a topic and make that one that we spend three or four or six weeks, whatever it takes uh, to work through that topic. Number one, uh, so that we'll be sure... We understand it. We're supposed to be people of the book. We ought to know this stuff. Uh, but also so we can answer people's questions. Uh, because the people you work with, I guarantee you, they wonder about that. Uh, and we'll cover the topics in detail enough and give you enough information on your handout that you can kind of remember it and go back and use it as a reference and uh, answer some folks' questions about some of the basic topics. So that's... What this uh, series is based on, uh, I hope to actually turn some of the topics into uh, some printed material maybe that Know Your Bible can offer or uh, some online guides that people can look up and have available, uh, not just for the general public, but I think uh, teaching materials in the church have uh, kind of fallen off in the I don't know if you can go with any building and find a tract that was written in the last 40 years. Uh, they're all old. And uh, I think maybe a little newer version and a little updated presentation would be well received by a lot of small churches in the Brotherhood. So we may head that direction too. Now, this lesson tonight, one I decided to start with, how can we understand the Bible? We do get a lot of questions about that. Uh, they sometimes come in a negative form. Uh, if the Bible's God's Word, how come there's so many different churches? You know, if the Bible's God's Word, how come nobody can agree on it? Uh, but the basic question is, how can we understand the Bible? And <clears throat> I decided we had to start there <laughs> to lay the ground rules so we can answer all the other questions. If we don't understand this one, uh, we won't be able to understand the other ones, and that's what I hope to bring out here this evening. Uh, How can we understand the Bible? Let me just give you a, 
imagine scenario here. Uh, it's Tuesday night. A couple named Dan and Charlene have been wanting to have a Bible study in their neighborhood. They thought that'd be a good idea. They're kind of excited about things at their church and want to teach other people to study the Bible. And so they just invited everybody in the neighborhood to a Bible study. And everybody shows up. Uh, they weren't sure anybody was coming for sure, but they, amazingly, everybody came. And it's 8 o'clock, and they're all there, and it's time for Bible study. So Dan starts it off, and uh, they have a little chit-chat and little neighborhood introductions and <clears throat> all that. And then Dan starts it off, and he says, what we thought we'd like to do is read one book of the Bible. Uh, just read through it, and... After we've read a portion of it, uh, then we'll discuss it and study it and talk about what it means. So we thought we'd be a good idea to start in one of the Gospels. And since Mark's the shortest Gospel, uh, we thought we'd just start there. So is that all right with everybody if we just read the first 15 verses of Mark and then discuss it? And one person spoke up and said, well, you know, I... I'd, I don't know much about the Bible. I don't know how to do this. And Dan said, it's, it's all right. There's no theologians in here. You know, we're all amateurs. But we can talk through this and we can, we can figure out what the Bible has to say. So if you look at Mark chapter 1 through 15, it's about uh, John the Baptist preparing the way, coming out of the wilderness, preaching to people. Uh, Jesus coming to John to be baptized, uh, the dove coming down out of heaven, God speaking from heaven, then Jesus going off into the wilderness, led off by the Spirit, uh, and all of that. So it's the baptism of Jesus. So Dan assured them that things were going to be all right, and so he had them just start around the room and read the first verse, read the second verse. That's the way you do Bible study sometimes. So everybody read their verse. They got to the end of the 15 verses and uh, had a little trouble as they went along because everybody had different translations. You know, so one guy was reading a verse and the guy next to him was trying to figure out what he was reading. And they had all these different translations in the room. So, but And somebody said, hold it, hold it. I, I don't know where we are here. That doesn't sound like what I got. And Dan said, well, it's probably because all the different translations we got. But it, don't worry about it right now. They all mean the same thing. Yeah. And we'll work it out as we discuss it later. So they calmed down and went back to reading and got through the 15 verses. And then Dan said, now, everybody think about what we just read. And then we'll go around and you just tell everybody what that passage meant. So they all thought a little while and got done. And they went to Sally first. And Sally said, well... What that passage means to me is uh, everybody needs to be baptized. And it's obviously by immersion that you need to be baptized. John said, well, I don't think that's what it means. Yeah, I mean, I, I read it, I listen to it there. and uh, I think what it says is that everybody needs to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Ralph said, well, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing here. You know, am I supposed to be figuring out what John meant and Jesus meant? 
when they were talking, or am I supposed to be trying to figure out what this means to me? And Dan said, well, that's a good question, but what we're here trying to do is trying to figure out what the meaning of the passage is. Uh, so we want you to tell us what it means to you. And Ralph said, no, well, that's good. He said, I can do that. Uh, what it means to me is that if you really want to meet God, you know, if you want to be a person of God, uh, you need to go out into the wilderness. I mean, that's where John came from. John was a man of the wilderness, and he, he knew God. And then Jesus met God and, and the baptism thing and all that, and then he immediately went to the wilderness. You know, life's too busy. We've got to get away from some of this busyness in life. We need to spend some time out in the woods and, you know, get in tune with the rocks and things like that. And that's what this thing means. And Corey, he started his little speech, and the way he started it just kind of brought everything to a screeching halt. Because Corey started out this way. He said, the, the, the Holy Spirit has shown me... That when a person is baptized in the name of Jesus, uh, the Holy Spirit will descend on him like a dove, and that's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need. And Jan said, I don't think that's what it means. And Corey said, well, it doesn't matter what you think. The Holy Spirit has revealed that to me. And if the Holy Spirit's revealed that to me, then that's what it means. Well, by this time, Dan was getting a little uncomfortable. His Bible study wasn't going quite like he had planned it. And so he'd said, well, let's take a little refreshment break. He said, I think what we're finding out is we're experiencing the, the richness of the Bible. It can mean so many things. And then they took a refreshment break. How can we understand the Bible? That's not that facetious a story. You know, it may not work that way in our Sunday school classes, but I guarantee you if you get everybody in the neighborhood together, you'd probably get pretty close to something like that. And I fear that maybe some places in the brotherhood, uh, our Sunday school classes are getting a little closer to that than they ought to. Uh, the question itself, what's this passage mean to you? It is a tricky question, and we're going to talk about that here in just a moment. So anyhow, uh, how can we understand the Bible? The way I broke this down, I tried to think through how would I explain this to one of these people that doesn't understand anything about Bible study. And I think what I'd tell them, with some modification, I've already thought of one change I'd make in this, so... Uh, if I ever do print it, it'll be different. Uh, first, I'd say there's four ground rules before we start to study the Bible. Okay? Uh, I, I want to study the Bible with you. It's God's Word. It's understandable. It's good for us. I know all that. But let's make sure we agree to these four ground rules before we get started, or we're going to have trouble. If we don't follow this, we'll be in big trouble. There's ground rules for everything in life. You want to read a map, 
and find out how to get to Denver, you got to understand some ground rules of the map. You know, north is north and just a few basics. And if you don't agree on that, you'll never get there. There's basics about math. If you don't agree on the basics of math, you, you can't figure out the more advanced stuff. So with the Bible, there's a few ground rules that you better agree on or you're going to have trouble ever getting any place in a study with one other person. So the four that I picked is, number one, all Scripture is from God. Now, everybody you talk to may say, well, yeah, I understand that. No, think about it, what we just said. All Scripture is from God. Look over 2 Timothy, chapter 3, and you can turn over there because we're going to be in there quite a bit tonight. 2 Timothy 3.16. All Scripture. Now, admittedly, when Paul wrote this, he was probably mostly talking about the Old Testament Scriptures, but there was some New Testament uh, Scriptures that had been written. And Paul was speaking by the Holy Spirit anyway, so he knew that all of them were going to be. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's inspired is what that means. It comes from God. And it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is God-breathed. It comes from God, and it's useful for equipping us for every good work. We'll talk about that later. Okay? Now, you say, well, why is that number one on the book? Doesn't everybody believe that all Scripture is from God? No. And that's why one reason we have so many troubles, trying to study the Bible. For instance, I don't take USA Today, but I was out of town this week and picked up a copy, and I think it was Friday yeah, Friday, there's an article in here that says evolution is not a matter of belief. And so I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Let me see what this guy has to say about that. So I started reading down through here. And his basic premise is, he says, there's no reason that Christians have to be anti-science. There's no reason that you can't believe in God and science. And no reason you can't believe in God creating things and evolutionary doctrine, and he just goes on like there's no problem. And I keep scratching my head, and I keep thinking, when's he going to explain this? You know, when's he going to explain how this works? Okay, and he makes a few comments about uh, he'd like to just blame it on willful ignorance. You know, he thinks that's. Why most people don't believe in evolution, so they do, they just don't want to. They're just ignorant and they want to stay ignorant. Yeah, I, I kind of ignored that since I'm used to reading the media. And I go on and he finally explains it. Third paragraph from the end. He says, we're not faced with a stark choice between God and science. Unless we read the Bible as a collection of facts, as we would a textbook, which admittedly some 30% of Americans do. So he says there's no problem with this. You can believe God and evolution, and it all works out fine, unless 
You believe the Bible is all true. Yeah. And admittedly, there's 30% of Americans that are that stupid. But if you're in the other 70%, there's no problem with this. Okay. Now, if I sat him down and said, well, you'll study the Bible together, will you agree, number one, that all Scripture is from God? He'd say, well, yeah. And then as soon as we got to something, he'd say, well, you don't have to believe that. I'm sorry, buddy, but it makes a difference if it's from God. It makes a huge difference. If it's if this book is really from God, if every word in it is God breathed, and God said that it is useful for everything that man needs, then it makes a difference whether it's whether you believe it's all from God or not. If you don't, you'll never agree on anything. Well, you might agree on something, but you won't agree on all things. You understand that? If it's from God, it matters. I was trying to think of an illustration. I thought, well, we're lately we're messed up with all this uh, Affordable Care Act health insurance stuff. Okay, the Affordable Care Act is 2,700 pages long. Okay, it's from Congress. Can we sit down and agree on what that means? No. No, people wrote it can't sit down and agree what it means. You know, every day somebody says, well, what about this part? Well, oh, forget that for a year. Well, don't worry about that. No, that doesn't mean what you think it means. Okay, if it's from man, I understand that. I understand it's messed up. You can't understand it. Because I know who it's from and I know what it's about. That doesn't bother me. I mean, it bothers me, but it doesn't bother me. But when you try to treat this, a God-breathed book like that, that bothers me. It's not so much that it bothers me, but it keeps us from agreeing. So that's a ground rule that I would say we start with. Do you believe that all Scripture is from God? Do you believe that all of this is from Him and that all of it's true? Okay. If you got that ground rule, we can go on to number two. If you don't buy that ground rule, then we're done. Number two, for, to start to study the Bible, you need to believe that Scripture alone is our sufficient authority. Sola Scriptura, I didn't put that on your handout, that's the old reformer's phrase, that Scripture alone is all we need. Now, the reason that was their mantra was because what had happened over the centuries was the Christians had apostatized, fallen away, if you will, to where there was a organized church who said Scripture wasn't enough. That there were some other things that meant just as much as Scripture. Okay? Now, if you read 2 Timothy, and I don't think we'll take time to read all of it, but read 2 Timothy 3 from about verse 12. 
down to chapter 4, about verse 5. And that shows you that Paul at least believed that in the middle of that's the thing that says all Scripture is God-breathed. That that's how you settle things. That's that's what this is what you need is God's word. And when men start teaching other things, you got to go back to the word. That's the only safe place is the stuff that comes from God. Well, the reason you need to agree to this as a ground rule. Is, well, let me give you an example. The other day we got a question, know your Bible. Somebody called in and said, can you tell me the difference between a Catholic and a Protestant? Okay. Now, what I decided to do was I I gave him three real quick, small uh, answers or reasons or differences. And the first one was, is what they think about Scripture. Okay. Because if uh, the Catholic Church teaches that all of this is inspired by God. This is number one. All Scripture is from God. But also you have to take into consideration the traditions of the church. They are of equal weight with this. And the declarations or the statements of the church. Because they are equal with this. So you take the Bible plus what the traditions have been set by the Roman Catholic Church plus what the Pope might say, ex cathedra, speaking for for the church. Whatever he says is true and infallible. So you got those three things that make up authority. So understand the problem with that. If you sit down and say, all right, let's study the Bible together, you'll get to a verse and you'll say, okay, well, this verse says so-and-so. And a person who hasn't agreed to ground rule number two will say, well, well, yeah, that's what the Scripture says. But the church says it means this. Okay, now you're stuck. Okay, if you haven't agreed on what authority is, You've run into a roadblock. You can't go any further. So that's why number two is a ground rule for starting to study the Bible, is agreeing that Scripture is what's going to settle things. Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone is sufficient authority for us to settle everything we want to know about. Now, you can study the Bible other ways, and it doesn't have to be the church for that matter. You can get to a verse and somebody can say, well, I know what that says, but my grandmother said this. Okay, if you've got another equal authority with the Bible, you're stuck. So to start to study the Bible with somebody, to study it with two or three or one or any number of people and agree, you've got to agree that all Scripture is from God. And number two, a Scripture alone is sufficient authority. It settles things. Okay, number three. Now we're going to try to get through this four ground rules tonight, and then we'll tackle the rest in the next couple of weeks. Number three. This may sound funny, but it's important. A Scripture means what it means. A Scripture... A verse, a passage, a 
text, whatever you're picking out, it means what it means. Well, what do you mean by that, Tandy? Well, let's go back to our opening scenario. Remember that? How did the neighborhood do on figuring out what a scripture means? They decided their standard was, what's it mean to you? And from there, they went all different places. And at the end, they had all these different ideas about what this one passage meant and how did they resolve it. Well, the Bible's just rich. It means lots of things. A passage does not mean what you want it to mean. It doesn't mean what you have a preconceived idea it means. It doesn't mean what your Sunday school teacher told you it meant. It doesn't mean what the preacher tells you it means. It doesn't mean what you need it to mean to prove a doctrine. It doesn't mean what you feel it means. It means what it means. How can I say that? Well, because God inspired. He, he breathed it. And when he breathed it through Paul or Habakkuk or Malachi or John or anybody, he meant it to mean something. He didn't mean it to mean 14 different things. He wrote it for a reason. It has a meaning. We kind of understand that in contemporary. We read a novel by somebody that's got a little mystery in it or something, and we all talk about, I wonder what he meant by that. What did the author mean by that? Well, we may not know. You know, the author may be dead. He may not tell us what he meant by that. It may be in some kind of weird code that we can't figure it out. I don't know. But God meant it to mean something. So that's what we got to, that's our question. I wonder what that means. Doesn't matter what it means to me. Matters what it means. Okay. Now, there's a way you can figure that out. You've got to consider what background Paul was writing from or what Timothy was talking about. You've got to look at the context. You've got to do all sorts of things. We'll talk about that next week. But when you set out to study the Bible, you've got to agree that a scripture, a passage, means what it means. 2 Peter 1.20 says, No prophecy ever came by private interpretation. It says when Joel wrote, Joel 2.28, he didn't just dream that up. He didn't just sit down, scratch his head and say, I think I'll write this. About in the latter days, this will happen. It wasn't Joel. It was God. It was God having Joel write that down in his own style and his own personality and all of that. But God got it to mean what he wanted it to mean. So Peter says no prophecy ever came by a private interpretation. No man just ever came up with it on his own. The reverse of that is true. If God wrote it and meant it to mean something, it doesn't mean what any private person feels it means. Now, there's some stuff, and we'll talk about this next week. There's some things that are hard to understand. 
We'll have a hard time figuring a few verses out, but not very many. Okay? Most of it's fairly simple to figure out, we'll find out, I think. But it means what it means, so we've got to go that as our ground rule. And the fourth thing, which is our attitude about this Bible study, is our attitude is that we want to handle Scripture correctly. Of course, that comes from 2 Timothy 2.15. Paul said to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. So Paul tells us, and he wants Timothy to be this kind of guy, he tells us that there are some people who take this God-breathed book and are serious about it, and study it, and work at it, and handle it correctly. Conversely, there will have to be people that don't handle it correctly. So, in our four ground rules, the fourth one I put down is that we want to handle it correctly. Now, Paul's writing that, and the words, the terminology he uses, technically, are... He wants to cut it straight. I think I've talked about that before, what that means. To me, it's cool. It makes this clear. Okay. Paul was a tent maker. Okay. Paul took animal hides and he made tents out of them. He may have made some other things. I don't know if he made hammocks or anything else to go along with camping, but he made tents. And he took all these hides, and if you know anything about hides, they don't come. (laughs) That was funny, wasn't it? They don't. They they don't come nice, square, and rectangle. So they don't sew together just perfectly. You got to cut them to fit. So if there's one hide that's kind of octagonal shaped, you you got to cut the other hides to fit around it, and all that. And that's a, a term that Paul used from that trade: is you want to cut it straight where this hide lines up exactly with this hide, so they fit together, and it all makes one good thing. If you knew anything about his trade, or that term, or that that day and age, or you're a seamstress, you know what he meant. Handle this stuff correctly. Don't be haphazard about it. Don't just throw it around carelessly. But take care and make sure everything fits together, handle it correctly, cut it straight, and that ought to be our goal if we want to study the Bible and understand the Bible. Okay, so we're about out of time. Question, how can we understand the Bible? Well, here's where we start. Will you agree with me that the Bible is all Scripture from God? We agree this is the sufficient authority for us. We don't need anything else. We don't need to ask anybody else. Any hierarchy, any headquarters, any preacher, anybody. This is the authority. And anything in here means what it means. means what God meant it to mean. And we want to cut it straight. We want to figure out what God meant by it. So we handle this correctly. If we agree to those four things, we can do a whole lot of Bible study. We can figure out a whole lot of things if we agree to those four things. If we don't agree to those four things, we're not going to last very long in Bible study. 
not going to get very far. Depends what we study, obviously. If we study basic facts, you know, Bible bowl trivia kind of stuff, we can go for years. <laughs> as long as we just stick with the facts. If we start to worry about doctrine and reason through the heavy, deep things of God, we're not going to go very far. Okay, so those are the four ground rules that uh, I would propose to starting studying the Bible. Uh, next week, we're going to work through the two essential principles for unity. Now, beyond these ground rules, there's a couple of things that we've got to agree on the method or the, the way that we're going to study the Bible so that we can be unified on it. And then I'm going to finish with five simple steps to understand any verse and you don't even need all five of them most of the time. You only need the first one most of the time, but we'll have five just in case it's a hard verse. All right, that's the topics for the uh, next couple of weeks probably it'll take us. Lessons yours. If you're here this evening and need to respond to the Lord's invitation, we'd be happy to help you put Christ on. Or if you have some prayer for the congregation or anything, we'd love to have you come to the front. Let's uh, stand and sing. You need to come, come. <laughs>